Welcome, everybody, to another edition of the Final Whistle Podcast. Ben K. Marvin Argueta back at it once again. And mighty oh my, the soccer feels so good, Ben, because obviously yet another comeback for the history books. It's the sign of champions when a team comes back from 2 nothing down to win in six minutes. I had a stinker of a day. I lost my voice yesterday because I was yelling so much. I sat and watched the parade for three hours. Uh, where Jack Grealish was drunk off his mind, telling Kyle Walker that the only player that got around him was him at Aston Villa, and that's why Pep signed him. So fantastic, fantastic weekend! And I think for he's also the ambassador for Gucci. He he, uh, his yeah. Gucci stuff came out today. Yeah, it came out on Bleacher. He's the ambassador for Gucci. For anybody who's a big fan of Gucci and loves to get their product, you will see a lot of photos and pictures from Jack Grealish. So I'm looking forward to listening. And hearing a lot more for what's going on there. But wait, before we get into anything, let's start off with the game that Ben's talked about. Everybody's been talked about. The Premier League final day did not disappoint as Manchester City. Yes, Ben, we're down to nothing. Everybody was worried. Aston Villa fans were celebrating. Liverpool fans were celebrating because I was watching the Liverpool game while this was all happening. And yet. Manchester City comeback, as as you said, two goals down, scored three goals in, I guess, maybe less than seven minutes, even less than that, and come back and win and win their fourth Premier League title in five years. Ben, first of all, I mean, you first talked about it a little bit, but how impressed were you by City responding after being down 2 nothing to win the title? I think, uh, here's the thing. I think if I'm not a Man City fan, I'm like, this is the greatest game I've ever seen. But because I'm a City fan and I'm like, ah, like, like I, like Coutinho scored and I switched over, as I was telling you before, I switched over to the Liverpool game. I (laughs) sold the City game up. I knew it was going to happen. I was just waiting. Right. But if you're not a City fan, you're not thinking they're going to come back. And then all of a sudden it's just, oh, it's just, it's just Gundogan, Rodri, and then Gundogan. So if I'm, if I'm you, I'm. this is a fantastic game. For me, it's just, yes, they won, and it's right. a good win, but I knew it was going to happen, and I knew they would always come back. Um, I think Pep Guardiola said it best when they asked him how he did it. He said, I called Real Madrid, and they told me how they came back against us, and that is how we did it. <laughs> it's incredible. Uh, I have to give credit to, obviously, the players. They came back and won it. I was watching the Liverpool game, uh, mind you, because, you know, once City was down one nothing and Liverpool were tied, I would say, hey, I have to go watch the Liverpool game. So I took the Liverpool side and watched it on that. Obviously, I kind of flipped back and forth with the City game. But, I mean, to score three goals, to respond the way they have, I think that's impressive for the players, the mentality, to the manager, uh, because – Again, as you said, it Real Madrid beat them uh, the way kind of the way they did to Aston Villa. I mean, that was something special. And to not only do it to win the title, to understand they were still champions despite all that. I mean, that was impressive itself. You know, luckily they were home. Coutinho scores the goal and you're thinking the Coutinho is going to be the hero for Liverpool, uh, but it doesn't happen. So I, I have to give them credit, you know, to the players mostly. And the manager, Pep Guardiola, because this is a, a chain, a game changer, because just a couple of weeks ago, they lost a heartbreaker to Real Madrid, and yet they flipped it around and they won their fourth Premier League title in five years. So, I mean, kudos to the players, but man, what a hell of a comeback. It, you know, I here's my question to you, though. Where do you rank this compared to the Aguero game? Because I still think that's way better. And I know people are talking about it where they think this was on track with that. I don't right. think close to that. 
I, I think it's still not significant as the Aguero goal because I remember, you know, Manchester United was the rival at the time and Manchester City hadn't won a Premier, a Premier League title in their history at that point. And so to win it and to start kind of a new era, to kick off a new era for Manchester City and their ownership and their whole club, I think that has a little bit more significance, significance, sorry, to everybody that watched that game and just had a little bit more. Obviously, it was a last-minute goal from Aguero, so made it even more powerful. I mean, obviously, they, you know, Manchester City had you know, no last-minute goals. Yes, they scored three goals, but it wasn't kind of the way Aguero kind of sent off that uh, Queen's Park Rangers performance and, and to kind of win it. So I, I don't know about you, but I, I still have that Aguero one uh, kind of up top for Manchester City for sure. And I know you're the host. I have one more question because this, yeah, this enthralled me. Aston Villa go, they concede a goal to Gundogan and it's mm-hmm. 2-1. At 2-1, I noticed it. Yeah. But what are your thoughts on if Villa gave up? Because there were points. There was a lot of points. And especially after that first goal, you could tell the holes were starting to come up and they didn't really fill them. And then once City scored that third, they were literally allowing, there was a point when Gabriel Jesus was in the corner, Matty Cash runs over to him, put just puts his arm out, doesn't touch him. And then he waits for Douglas Luiz. Did Villa just give up? Because the money's there. Like, they're incentivized to lose this game. I don't know. I looked like they kind of just let it happen after I think a while. They try, I think they gave it their best shot. I think under, they under, – I, I think it's a psychological thing, Ben. I think when you let three goals in a short amount of time, psychologically, I, I think you're just done. I think no, you're I, just yeah. done. You know, I think they did care about winning that game because they were up to nothing. And they. I think if it wasn't the way City came back, I think they still would have maybe pushed to try to get a result. But the way City scored those three goals kind of just like psychologically just takes the wind out of you. And I think that was kind of it from Aston Villa there. All right, Ben, getting into City's dynasty. Are we witnessing a City dynasty? It's a hard one. Mm. Oh, that's a really good. It's, it's a very, I saw this question on the rundown and I didn't know how to answer it. When I think of dynasty, I don't think of one like cup in particular. Like right. I'm looking at, I'm thinking about like United, what do they win? Like 13, like 13 uh, Premier League. So, but they were also dominant in Europe as well. So you're not that dominant team. So to say, are they creating a dynasty in, in the Prem specifically? Yes, they are. Four in the last five for Pep Guardiola is huge. But as a team, will this team go down as being like like one of the – it'll go down as being one of the best ever Man City teams, but I don't think they're creating a dynasty until they get it done in Europe. And that's a constant criticism that we've seen from Man City throughout all of Pep Guardiola's five years here now. So trying to get it, that will be the crowning moment for him. Once he gets that one trophy, which he will eventually, and I think Holland will push them over the edge next year, then you can comfortably say this team will create a dynasty. But right now, no, they're not. They're not there yet. Almost. Well, I would. One of the questions I think has to be asked, and I think you're right regarding that point. I think they're not a dynasty. Yes, they've done it domestically, but can they do it at the level I think we've seen them in the Champions League? They went into one final. They made it to multiple semifinals yet still haven't gotten done. So in the Premier League, yes, I think comparing to those United teams, United did this for the last five. So I guess you could say that, but no, in my opinion, you know, I don't think so. Again, I'm with you when they say, yes, they need to do it in the Champions League. 
doing at that level. I think that's still where City needs to go. And I heard Gary Neville saying that this is the best team in the world right now. I completely disagree. This is I think it's Real Madrid. in the world right now. It's Real Madrid. I either it's Real Madrid or Liverpool. I don't think it's Manchester City. I don't think this is Matt. They're in the top three. Maybe you could say in the top four. But Manchester City is not the best team in the world right now. We clearly saw what happened in the Champions League. But I don't think so, Ben. We could go back and forth with this. But I think yeah. right now the best team in the world right now is Real Madrid. I, I agree with you, Real Madrid. I don't. I still think City are better than Liverpool. I think. Hey, well. I think City, obviously... Look, I think Liverpool, if you put them up in the same amount of games, if you said just by the Premier League, yeah. I think it might have been Liverpool's game. I think where City get them is squad depth. And obviously, breaking news is Fabian Carvalho from Fulham is coming to Liverpool this year, yeah. the 19-year-old. Um, but I still think City have more quality in positions everywhere across the field than Liverpool, and that's why they're better consistently. And it's not... Just that, but it's when you're trying to play the same system that Pep Guardiola does week in and week out, you can't have you. Divock Origi is not going to play the same as Luis Diaz, right? But Raheem Sterling and Jack Grealish, two interchangeable players, will do the same style. Same with almost a Riyad Mahrez and Bernardo Silva. So, trying the way they can interchange those players easily is why I think City have just that little bit of an edge on Liverpool because in those games when they need to rest people, they can throw in guys that they know will bring the same amount of quality. Same goes for the likes of Minamino and Salah. Or you could even say like, a, I don't know, like a Joe Gomez or a, no, a Simikas and a Robertson, those type of players. They can't interchange like City can. That's why they're better. I disagree. I think Liverpool are the better team. They have two titles already. They have the FA Cup and they have the Carabao Cup. They almost they I didn't think it was possible. They were about maybe maybe 30 minutes away to having a chance to play for the quadruple, which I in my lifetime have never seen. Obviously, Barcelona did it, Bayern Munich did it. You know, they've won the treble domestically in one single season, but never four titles. And that's where I give credit to Liverpool because they push City. Yes, you know, in that head to heads, they they both drew both of them. Obviously, you know, these two managers respect each other so well. But I think this season, and this is this season right now, Liverpool are slightly a little bit better than City. Not saying, you know, City are far behind. I think it's very close for that number one, that, excuse me, that second spot. And I think Liverpool are just a little bit better just because I think they have more depth than City. I don't think this is the City team that has a little more depth once upon a time. They did maybe a couple seasons ago. But I think Liverpool now, the, the addition of Luis Diaz and adding also Diego Jota to that squad of their front three has added a little bit more depth to this team. And that's why we see them competing for these four titles, Champions League, Carabao Cups, even the Premier League, because of that. You even saw in that game against Wolves, where they were physically, mentally exhausted to get, try to get that second goal. So for me, I just have Liverpool as my second team in the world right now because of what they've done this season and potentially if they can win that Champions League, maybe they can even go up to number one. I would say, though, Liverpool's draw in the Champions League was very favorable. For <laughs> like, we can't – like, yes, like City were in the trouble conversation last year, I think, because they yeah. had – I mean, they won the Premier League. They were in the Champions League final. I think they won the – they won the Carabao Cup because this yeah, year they lost their title, it. yep. 
And then the FA Cup, I think they lost in the semifinals to Tottenham or someone. They lost to someone yeah, in the, yeah. semi, uh, the finals. So they were right there too. But yes, uh, you gotta you gotta knock them Liverpool down a little bit. The likes that they had to play what Villarreal and then Porto, I think, was there too. Like that's not that's not a champion like a real like City played Real Madrid and then Atletico beforehand. They came up against a very good Atletico very side. Good point. So. And they still got past them. And Real Madrid, it was that last second crumble that made them lose. So, I don't know. The the, the Champions League conversation, I kind of knock a little bit off the window because Liverpool basically got handed a final. They just have to reach out and grab it. I'm just just saying right now. So, (laughs) I would say, listen, for those who are listening in, I hope you guys, maybe we should put a poll question up. All right, and Ben, we should do that. Yeah. Who is right now the best team in the world? I think Gary Neville said it. And so I like to bring this conversation. He said Manchester City are the best team in the world right now. I disagree. I think Real Madrid are right now. I, I think second team. best. I think that's the poll. That's where me and you, I say oh, Real Madrid. Second best team in the world. Yeah. Yes. Okay. I still think Real Madrid are the best. The yeah, I, go I think City's second best. And Ben says City is the second best team. So we'll leave it there. Uh, I want to transition and to the Champions League. Because speaking of Liverpool and Real Madrid, these two teams will be playing for the Champions League title on Saturday. We are recording this Tuesday. It is May 24th. So, obviously, this is way before the game started. So, obviously, a lot, Ben, to discuss with this game. A lot of hype. Liverpool, you know, had so much energy. They had to um, extend in that game against Wolves. We saw some of the fatigue come into a factor. Real Madrid resting up their players on the other side, having players getting ready for this Champions League final. We, we know a lot of their veteran players have been part of this uh, huge Real Madrid run when they won three straight Champions Leagues. They have a lot of miles in their players, but yet there's still a lot going on here. So first, let's start with the matchup. What matchup, Ben, should people pay attention to on Saturday? Now, if it was a few years ago, I think Gareth Bale versus Andy Robertson would have been fantastic. And it has proven to be fantastic, but that's not going to happen. Because we'll talk, uh, it's not on the run. Let me just say this really quickly Gareth Bale not being allowed to get on the 18 for a game that did not matter for Real Madrid when he was supposed to leave is shocking. But I I will press my point. I I actually agree with you there. Continue. Um, Vinicius versus Trent. That is the matchup I want to see because because I can't wait for Trent to be put on skates and for people (laughs) to finally realize this guy cannot defend one-on-one. It has been come up so often, and then it's because people know he can't defend there, they target him. And then he has these one or two games where you're like, ah, like this guy, this guy's got it. He's never had it. Vinicius, one of the most exciting and promising young wingers in the world, is going to tear Trent Alexander Arnold a new one, and I can't wait to watch it. Obviously, uh, <laughs> the matchup that I'm watching is going to be Virgil Van Dyke against Kareem Benzema because that's this, this is the bread and butter. If Kareem Benzema could be stopped, which I don't believe it's going to happen, but can. Virgil van Dyke and whoever his partner is going to be, obviously we still don't know who that could be, uh, stop, somehow limit Kareem Benzema, which I don't believe that's going to happen. I think that's probably one that I have in mind. Uh, I like Fernand Mendy against Mo Salah, but I think Salah will get his way as well. But I'm going to go with, I'm going to stick with Virgil van Dyke and Kareem Benzema because if Kareem Benzema can find a space in the box, 
I mean, we saw what he did at Chelsea. He got a couple of those headers and they went in. So I'm going to go with Virgil van Dijk against Kareem Benzema. I also think Cruz, Modric, and Casemiro versus whoever Liverpool think they can throw at them with Tobinho out is going to be really good because realistically, it's probably going to be Henderson, uh, Keita, and then maybe Fabinho if he's fit. I don't know if he's going to be fit, but watching the three Real Madrid center mids for one, most likely this will be like the one final big, big game that the three of them get to play in yeah, as a yeah. unit together will be will be a great watch. By the way, also to mention that we still don't know the status of Thiago Encantara, who according to reports have said that he will likely not be available for that game. So that could be a big factor in the midfield for Liverpool. I want to transition, Ben, to continue to talk about uh, the Champions League final. And one of the questions people have asked is how can Liverpool win this title? Obviously, they have played the most amount of games possible this season. We saw so much energy being given against Wolves, even that last game of the Premier League, as Real Madrid did not do that. But how can Liverpool win the title? I think I just kind of alluded it to it. I think when we're talking about matchups, I think defensively they're pretty they're pretty well matched up. Um, obviously, like I did outline Trent as a bit of a weak spot, but he's still a top-class player. Attacking-wise, both teams are superb, as well as goalkeeping-wise. It's that midfield. I think Liverpool, that's a battle that they're going to have to win. It's a midfield battle, because how are you going to try to break down this very well- coached and this team of midfielders from Real Madrid that have so much right. chemistry when you're playing, trying to play Henderson, it's going to be those. I just don't see without Tiago them really doing it. I think he will be the key factor because he will know how to make those splitting passes. Whereas I don't see Henderson and Keita coming in and being able to do that. So right. winning that midfield battle is going to be key for them. If they can do that, they have a good shot at winning it. I don't think they're going to, but if they're going to pick one spot, that's where you need to focus on. Okay. So, Ben, who's going to win the Champions League final? Oh, Real Madrid. Real Madrid. I'm going with Liverpool. I'm going with Liverpool. I'm going with Liverpool. And here's why. I think Liverpool have talked about 2018 and how Mo Salah got injured for that and the Sergio Ramos controversy. And obviously, Garrett Bale was just tremendous when he came on and, and completely changed the game. And there was a goalkeeper issues with Lori's Carragas. I mean, that was a whole, like, just different animal of, of a squad. This Liverpool team is much more composed. I think that they have – their front three will, will hopefully get some opportunities against Real Madrid's back four. And it will all depend, as you said, of the midfield and what Trent Alexander-Arnold could do against uh, Vinicius, who will obviously have a factor. And we'll see what club can do. But I think – Liverpool will will do what they didn't do in 2018, and that is win the title. I think – I don't know. I, I genuinely think if Sergio Ramos was there, it would be a little bit different because oh, they'd – come on. Someone. No, no, no. I think not, – not in terms of him, like, making an impact on the field. I just think his presence on the field would be someone when all the Liverpool players walk onto the field, they see him, and they're like, this was the guy that really screwed us up. <laughs> because he's not there, there's not really many – it's the midfield, but there's already two too familiar faces from that last game. So trying to pinpoint someone that you're going to put all of your anger and aggression on and not being able to do that. Cause like, I mean, 
Modric is a standout guy. Same with yes. Tony Cruz. So, like, it's going to be interesting to see how Liverpool take it. The first five minutes will be very telling of how the game's going to go. This I think is going to be back and forth. I can't wait for this. I mean, Ben, if you want, we could do a, a reaction of this game, hopefully on Saturday, and, and we can kind of talk about who, yeah. and who was wrong. But we'll leave it there. Everybody, again, join us in the Champions League final. It will be Liverpool against Real Madrid in Paris, mind you. Uh, this game will be available in everywhere where you want to see it on television. And by the way, everybody, our new episode of the Final With Some podcast included our bonus episode, which we had Sam Margin, who joined us and talk about Barcelona season review. So you can check that out available in Spotify. Let's uh, take a break, Ben. And when we come back, we'll get into some of the news that happened in France because, man, oh, man, even the president was involved in some of the the news that happened with Kylian Mbappe. We'll talk about him much more when we come back. Coming back, Kylian Mbappe was all over the news. I mean, he was top headlines on one of ESPN's news of the day. It was incredible. And Kylian Mbappe made a decision, Ben. We talked about this last week that he was likely to go to Real Madrid. But all of a sudden... Everything changed, and the delay of the news of that coming out never happened. And I guess a change of mind happened, and Kylian Mbappe decided to stay. So can Kylian Mbappe, according to what he said, he wanted to win in Paris and help them win their, their I guess, their Champions Leagues and much more. But let me ask you this, Ben. Yep. Can Kylian Mbappe deliver his promise, or will he regret not signing with Real Madrid. Kylian Mbappe is a very, very smart man. Is and when he? they interviewed him, when they no, no, when they interviewed him the <laughs> other day, like I think it was right after they asked him about Real Madrid, and he did not close the door at all. He said, and I think it was something like they said, Kylian, your dream was to go to Real Madrid. You decided not to. Is this the end for this dream? And he said, No, no, this isn't at the end. He said something, he said, You never know what happens in football, something could happen. So he's he's clearly left the door open. I guess. Uh, right. Will he deliver his promise? No, I don't ever see. I don't really. I can't see PSG winning. And I think the closest they'll get was that 2020 year against Bayern Munich when they lost in the final, right? Um, in heartbreak fashion. But I don't. I just don't see PSG as a team that can win it. And I think, yes, obviously they've said goodbye to Di Maria, who I think. Well, yes, a fantastic player. He created a lot of problems with this team. I right. don't think Pochettino is a good enough coach. I think they need someone else in there to do that. Right. Um, so in those five years, if they can do that. But here's the thing. Mbappe, Neymar, and Messi will most likely still be there, as well as Mario Cardi. Four players that they love to start all at the same time that stay so high up the field. When you do that, you leave two holding center defensive mids and then a back line of four. They don't drop back. So it's just pretty much a 10 V six and you're trying to defend that. That's where all these holes come up. And yes, they can get away with it in, in France. They don't get away with it in the champions league. And it came back to bite them in that man city game when city came storming back because there were so many holes. So I don't see them ever winning. And I don't think Mbappe is ever going to get them that should have gone to Real Madrid. um, But they did just get two many this morning. So that's pretty good for them. I, I, I completely agree with you. I think he – well, here's why I think he will regret not signing Real Madrid. I think there was no better moment to go to Real Madrid than now. And one of the things 
that I have a problem with is PSG. If you look into the reports that came out and what he's going to make, he's going to make minimum of $50 million per year. That is, he will be one of the highest paid players in the world, if not the highest player in the world. And I think, in my opinion, I think he went there to stay with the money. I think he wanted a little bit more control. And as we've seen with PSG, Ben, and former managers have talked about this. There's so much control with players in that club. They have so much power. And this is where the managers have no control. The sporting directors have no control. As we saw, um, it's come out that it looks likely that Leonardo is going to stay. And that came awkwardly at the same amount of time when Kylian Mbappe's news was going to. So it's for me, I think I, I don't think a club should function with players having control. Yes. I'm saying this in soccer. Yes. And other sports, I understand player empowerment has been a part of it, but in soccer, it's different because when players have too much control of the club, it leads to decisions not being correct. As we saw with some of the direction they decided to do get messy where actually you didn't need to get messy. Maybe you couldn't do reinforces in other positions where you could have helped Mbappe and Neymar, yet you decided to go with the big name. And it kind of led to, again, as you talked about, like a, just a deficiency from their forwards to their midfield. And I think that's kind of their issues. And Real Madrid beat them. And that was where I was like, well, Kylian Mbappe, if you want to go to Real Madrid, this is your moment now. To join a front through a Karim Benzema, Vinicius Jr. Ah, oh, man, I... I guess maybe there's an opportunity, but I I'm not, I will say this, that Barcelona in three, four years, who knows what could be a potential landing spot for Kylian Mbappe if those three years are committed from Mbappe, but I think he's going to regret it. I agree. I think, I think you're completely right when you say Barcelona will be that team to get him if they, if he does. Leave I'm not so. saying they will be, but it could be possible that yeah. financially they could be in a better position where they could get Mbappe. I think it made it easy too because Real Madrid were the only team that really could pay for him. He said right it was now. Liverpool, but I don't believe that. I, I, I get, it talks a Klopp too. It was a whole. It was a weird thing. I don't see Liverpool having the funds for that when they've just signed like Jota and Luis yeah, Diaz yeah. and all these guys. I don't see that. Uh, well, I shouldn't say I don't see them having the funds because City did just sign a. A, a big guy from Norway, so. <laughs> <laughs> but listen, no, no, the difference was he went to, Harlan Holland went to a team that he understood that Bruce Dorman, like, they, they were never going to be where Manchester City is now. And I yeah. think he went to go into the, I think he went to one of the best teams in the world. And he went to the Premier League. He, he didn't say, and I think that's what people have issues with, too, is Kylian Mbappe, if he wants to be turned into this superstar, like a Messi or Ronaldo, to compete to Ballon d'Oros, because as we saw in PSG, like, you're just not – they just – I know, you know, that the league has improved, but it's not at the level, as we just talked about, these top five leagues, even the Premier League, La Liga, the, the Bundesliga, they're not even at that level. And I think that's where, you know, the hesitancy of giving credit to the league will, will ever be there. I just – I'm not sure that league will ever get the benefit because of the way they dominate that league so much and the way they play. So I guess – it's gonna. It's it might bite in the, bite him in the next couple of years, but he had he was a free agent. I mean, he made a decision, but I think I'm not sure he made the right one. No, and, and really quick, in all seriousness, I joke about how the MLS is going to be a big league, and yes, the French league does have all these big time players as we're talking right, about, right? But 
I think of a big league, and I think the Premier League is the biggest league in the world, un- undeniably. And when you go down from 1 to 20 in the Premier League, yeah. any result can happen. You look at any other league, I don't really see that. I see that in the MLS. It's starting to happen where those top teams can get beaten on any day from that bottom team. Whereas right. in France, it's like, yeah, you're playing Marseille or you're playing PSG or you're playing Monaco. Those teams will always beat you. No results really going to happen. So right. they, the French league is not looked at as how it used to be looked at. And I frankly don't think it'll ever get to where it should go because they have the talent, they have the resources. And these smaller leagues like the MLS, the Portuguese league, the Dutch league, they're all going to start creeping up on it until it eventually just gets pushed more down. Yeah, I mean, we'll find out if Mbappe can can, uh, keep his promise in helping PSG win their first ever Champions League title, or this will be another continuation of where this club is. We are now getting to our top awards of the season. We have our team of the season, player of the season, young player of the season, and then manager of the season. Uh, we were chosen from the top leagues in the world, obviously. So, Ben, obviously, this is going to be we're going to have different lists. Hopefully, maybe not. Who knows? But how are you feeling? I am so excited, and I think I figured out my formation. So it's getting even better over here. <laughs> All right. So we'll go like this. I'm going to give you my starting eleven. You're going to go give your starting eleven, and then we'll go back and forth with our. Uh, our player, manager, and young player this season. So is that cool? Do you want to? Do you want to do? A, we can do it like how we do a football. Who we'll do a right. defense and goalkeeper and the midfield and forward. All right, we'll, we'll do that. So I'm gonna go four four three. I'm gonna start off first, and I'm gonna go with the goalie. My goalie is gonna go Tibor Kotwa. Twenty two clean sheets, sixteen La Liga, four in the Champions League. He's been an outstanding for Real Madrid. He uh, made some crucial saves in those knockout rounds that really much could have helped Real Madrid, especially against Jack Grealish. Could have been the difference maker, but he saved it and helped Real Madrid. I think he's been outstanding. Real Madrid has one of the best defenses in La Liga, only conceding 31 goals, one of the top three defenses. I think he's been part of it. Without Sergio Ramos, mind you, they have a brand new starting back four, and he's been a part of that tremendous, tremendous defense. So I'm going to go with Thibaut Courtois. Mine, I am so happy you didn't say him. I've gone for an Italian league player. I've gone for Mike Minan. Wow, let's go. Uh, 32 games played. He only conceded 21 goals and had 17 clean sheets. Coming from a little side that won the La Liga, uh, League One, excuse me, the year before. Or not, yeah, it was Lille. And then he comes into a team that is without John Luigi Donnarumma, their star player for yep. years on years, takes the league by storm. I think he won the Golden Glove in Italy, if I'm not mistaken, yeah, as well. Um, a world-class goalkeeper that overcame a lot of adversity in terms of how high expectations were going to be of him and carried AC Milan to their first, uh, equal, uh, excuse me, Serie A title in 11 years. So, Mike Minan. I love that. Uh, I was going to put that on the rundown. I wrote that about AC Milan winning their title just quickly. Uh Slatan Ibrahimovic promised before when he came into the club that he was going to win uh, a Skeleto with that team. He fulfilled his promise. He was part of that 2011 team that won it, and now he's part of that 11 years later with AC Milan. So just want to mention that real quick. Uh, let's go with the right back. I'm going to go with a Liverpool player here. I'm going to go with the right back of Liverpool. I love his game. 
I know defensively he has issues, but I can't deny what he does offensively. It's part of the game. And I'm going to go with Trent Alexander-Arnold. Two goals, 19 assists. Yes, 19 assists in all competitions, 12 in the Premier League. And uh, he was part of second-place Liverpool. I think he's a player at his best. He basically does older set pieces, and he does so much for Liverpool on that right side of the field. I think he's just tremendous. I really liked him. People want to go more defensively. I think the modern game of football has completely changed when it comes to the right-back position, where we see a lot more attacking from these uh, positions than ever before. And so I'm going to go with the best one right now, in my opinion, Trent Alexander-Arnold. Okay. Um, So I hate Trent, as we know. I think he's good, but I just don't like him. So (laughs) I've gone – to the Peter. other side, I've gone to Manchester, but I haven't gone who you think I've gone. I've actually gone with the most underrated player in the whole entire world. Kyle Walker, ladies and gentlemen, will be okay. my right 20 games. He had two assists. Not bad, but what he does so well. You talked about that old traditional right back where Trent loves to get forward, loves to be a part of that attack. Kyle yeah. Walker is one of those older players that he still did it this year as well, where he just make those overlapping runs, cross balls in the box and immediately get back. And what he did so well for Man City was that when he wasn't going on the attack because Jao Cancelo was getting forward, he was able to, like Fernandinho in the center defensive mid-roll, drop into center back and play in a back three, giving them that extra defensive support that they need because they're not the best when they're getting counterattack. And when Kyle Walker was on the field, his pace and his defensive ability, as well as being a top-class one-on-one defender, were able to keep City in these tight games. So Kyle Walker, my right back. Like that, I like that choice. I mean, it was pretty obvious, but okay. Uh, well, let's get into our, our center backs. I'm going to go with a very, very old player. I, I think he's one of the best center backs in the Premier League, I think in the world still at his age. And mind you, he's only 37 years old, which is very young, but obviously. Uh, I'm going with Thiago Silva. Oh, uh, 36 tackles. This season, he's been great in possession. I think I looked into his numbers about 90% in possession. Thiago Silva, he's just great on the ball. Uh, has 36, no, 65 blocks for Chelsea. And I know he plays in a back three. But, man, if you see him and the way he commands that back line for, for Chelsea, I think, mind you, if you look at Chelsea, the problem wasn't that they were defensively, you know, all over the place. I think offensively has been their issues all season, scoring goals. You know, I'm going to go with a player that has a lot of experience, was really helped Chelsea get into Champions League football, helped them win um, a couple of trophies this season. I'm going to go with Thiago Silva. It's so, so I'll I'll give you my first one. It's so interesting that you brought up Chelsea because I've gone for Chelsea as well, but I've gone for Antonio Rudiger in this one. 34 Premier League games. Three goals, two assists. Rudiger is one of those pacey center backs, and his physicality matched up along the likes of Thiago Silva. Because you have to remember, yes, yes, Thiago Silva was good, but I I can't really make the case because Kyle Walker didn't play too, too much. But the fact that Rudiger was really the only main uh, mainstay in this Chelsea back line is something to mention, where they'd have the likes of Malang Sar, Trevor Chalaba, Christensen, Thiago Silva coming in and around. But Rudiger was always that force on the wing, and he we saw him getting forward, driving up the field with the ball, creating pass, uh, passing lanes for players. So, Rudiger, you've done well for Chelsea. Have fun in Madrid. You will be my center back for my team this season. 
All right. Well, I'm going to go my next center back, Virgil van Dyke. I'm going to go with Virgil van Dyke, age of 30. I think I'm going to make this argument very simple, Ben. Look at look at Liverpool last season when they were uh, without him. Completely different. Barely got into the top four. They get Virgil van Dyke back and just see him a different command of that back four. You know, we saw so much different position players kind of try to take over Van Dyke's position. And I just, there's no really dispute right now. I think he's one of the top center backs in world football. And I don't think it's an argument. We see what Liverpool is when he's on the field, a completely different team. And I think he's just, he's world-class defending wise. Just, again, I think he, he's not what he was maybe two, three years ago, but he picks his spots. And I think that's kind of where, he still is very uh, uh, valuable to Liverpool. And mind you, he still is just a, a, a player in the air that really could still win 1v1. So I'm going to go with Virgil van Dyke. Okay. Well, that's interesting. 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 I've gone for Marquinhos, and I'll just make it. Okay. Well, that's the one that I had in my list, but he was yeah. not out. I mean, plain and simple, in the PSG team, when Sergio Ramos comes in, one of the arguably the best center backs in the world at the time, and we're still talking about how this guy who is, is club captain was the best defender on that team. And how he really kept that back line right. with the likes of Noon Menj, uh, Bernat sometimes coming in there, Hakimi, those players that like to get forward. He was a mainstay like Rudiger staying back and making sure that everything was defensively sound. Uh, it's something to be mentioned. And obviously he's been a top, top center back for right. so many years. So Marquinhos, welcome to the team. <laughs> well, uh, I'm going to go with left back, Ben. This is going to be my top four for my defense. I'm going to go with a, a player you mentioned before that played for a similar team, but he plays a different position. I'm going to go with Teo Hernandez. Oh, boo. Oh, I thought. Uh, no, whoa, I'm going with Teo Hernandez. He's, he was great. Five goals, 10 assists, which helped Milan win the Skeleto. 10 assists, mind you, 10 assists all came in Serie A. He had five goals, which is the fourth on the team. He was just great defensively. If you watch Taylor Hernandez, and I hope he gets called up for the, the French national team. Maybe we'll see him at the World Cup. Hopefully he starts. Fantastic. He's a, one of the best left backs in the world. People don't talk about his name enough. Obviously, they should. The left back position has been so just different the way it used to be. I'm going to go with Taylor Hernandez, AC Milan, one of the most valuable players for that team. That's why they won the Skeleton. So my feelings are really hurt because I thought you were going to – first, I thought you were going to mention someone, and then you didn't even put him in the team. Jao Cancelo at left back. No, no. How close was he to getting on your list? Wasn't even close. Deo Hernandez Whoa. was my number one choice, and that wasn't even close. Uh, I like Cancelo. I, I do. I would put him more in my right back position if that was an option. But no, not as a left back, I know he's good, but he ain't that good. Oh. Seven assists, Premier League season, 36 games. He played at 94. I'm looking at transfer market. 94% of the minutes he was, or the games he was in, he played. Incredible. And not just that, it's the fact that, like I talked about Kyle Walker dropping for that defensive support, Xiao Cancelo at times was acting as a left center mid, a left winger, and not just, he would get back. Yes, at times he could get caught out, but his speed got him back. But the chances he were creating were the likes of a center mid. You're talking Kevin De Bruyne-like passes, Tony Cruz, Luka Modric, those guys. He was able to – I mean, remember the Newcastle goal? It was in my latest TikTok. Well, outside <laughs> the football, the Raheem Sterling. Like, 
Like that is not a traditional left back. And this guy does it incredible. So I, I don't know how you don't mention Zhao. I'll mention him. Zhao, welcome. I'm very, I'm very happy with uh, Taylor Hernandez. Trust me when I'm telling you, I believe in him. He's great. He helped the Milan win the Skeleto, but uh, we saw some exposure defensively, but um, I, so I think he's a quality player, but just definitely, definitely mention. And uh, I'm very glad he's on your list. But so far, we have five, five different players so far, which I did not expect. So I'm, I thought you would have at least had Marquinhos and Jao. So very... Marquinhos was left out barely. So I, I had him on the list. I had him as a mention, but then he just missed the cut. Are you surprised I didn't say Ruben Diaz? No, I, I, I think I think Ruben Diaz. I think Ruben Diaz for me had an issue just because of the injuries, and so yeah. that's why I didn't have him in. But like, he was a, he was like I looked at Diaz and just want to make sure you know I wasn't mistaken. But yeah, well let me let's move on to our midfield if that's possible. Uh, let's first start with my center defense midfielder because again I'm playing a four three three. I'm going to go with Rodri. 25 years old. I think he was the anchor of a, of the league champions in Manchester city. Who knew he scored seven goals. Scott has seven goals this season. Two I knew, assists. I knew. <laughs> and he's obviously scored the one that helped city win the title. He was part of that three goal, um, just outburst. And he was just sensational. I think obviously against Real Madrid, probably that's probably one of his weakest games. But outside of that, Seven goals, two assists for a player that kind of reminds you of the way Sergio Busquets once upon a time was at his prime. That's the way I look at Rodri. Fantastic. I think he's a part of that anchor, and that's why we see Fernandinho no longer playing because of Rodri really taking over that position and dominated. Okay, well, welcome to We Have the Same Player because I've also gone Rodri. <laughs> um, and I really can't say much else that you've pretty you've said pretty much everything other than this guy coming in, obviously City at the time had just lost out on Fred and then Jorginho right, um, right. when they both got hijacked deals, but that's fine. Um, the fact that this guy came in and replaced a Manchester City and Premier League legend in Fernandinho right, and did right. it with ease and the way – I think just the way he is so willing to give up on an attack, and not in a bad way, but when City are trying and trying and trying to play down that left or that right-hand side – the fact that he's so willing to just say, it's not working, I'm going to hit it all the way back, and we're going to completely restart. That is why he is so good. It's just his willingness to completely just kind of scrap plans and restart from the ground up because he is that driving force in the midfield and making him one of the – probably the best center defensive men in the world. I agree. I agree. Uh, let's move on. Uh, my next midfielder who I have selected. I think this one's probably unanimous. I think we both have him on the list. I'm going to go with Kevin DeBruyne. 19 goals, 14 assists. <laughs> I think he's kind of a name that should always be on the list. 30 years old. I mean, scored those four goals a couple weeks ago. It was simply sensational. He's just, I think, City's most valuable player. Maybe you arguably say he's their best player. And he's just a driving force when they're attacking. And you can see the difference when he's not on the field and when he's on the field. Just a difference the way City play. Kevin De Bruyne is just – he's just tremendous. I was watching this TikTok. He's, so, he, he is also I'll, – I'll give it – that's my next player as well. Um, I was watching this TikTok this morning, and he was talking about how De Bruyne uh, comes off last season a little bit injured. Then he tore his ligaments in, uh, in his ankle in the 
uh, Euros, comes back. He looks a little bit off the pace because the injury gets COVID. And everyone's kind of saying, is this the end for Kevin DeBron? Is he starting to regress? And then instantly in like December, he just kicked it off and played some of arguably his best time in a Manchester City shirt. So more than deserving for this. He unanimously between the both of us. And our quickly, I think, Ben, I mean, a lot of people said he, he was playing injured still. And I hopefully I just hope he gets healthy. I mean, I hope he doesn't have any injuries because. I think with their reports out that he was playing hurt a lot of the season, yeah. he was injured. I mean, a lot going on with Kevin DeBurner. Let's not forget that in that uh, final, I mean, he was he broke his jaw and in like he is he said he couldn't feel taste for a while. I mean, these guys have suffered a lot of injuries despite all that. I mean, look at still just having a tremendous season yet again. I hope hopefully he could get back to one hundred percent fully fit Kevin DeBurner because I mean we can see that player. I mean, he can have even a better season than he had. Uh, yeah. than the previous one, but Kevin De Bruyne is just tremendous. Just a beautiful player to watch. All, All right. right. This is where it's going to get a little tricky. My next midfielder. I had to look three or four players to make sure I didn't get any mistakes and making sure I had this one uh, right, and I did. I looked into all the top five leagues, and I made sure this player – He's got in mind. I'm gonna be mad because I think I think I think you're gonna get the player I've hidden. I, and I'm gonna go with him, and I believe this is why. Ready? I'm gonna go with Pedri. Oh, okay. Pedri, 19 years old. I'm going with him. Barcelona, mind you, had a 17 game unbeaten streak when Pedri was playing. Snapped when he hit, got injured. Barcelona before Pedri's on the field averages 1.9 goals per game. But when he's on the field and starting for Barcelona, they have a 2.12 created goal per average. They created 3.3 chances when Pedri's playing. And, yes, he only has one goal and one assist. But if you watch those Barcelona games, mind you, when Pedri's playing, completely different team. Look at look at the wins, the losses, just a completely different player. I think he's one of the best midfielders in the world. I think he's still uh, so valuable to Barcelona. The fact that he got injured completely ruined their season and the way they look at the end. But Pedri, 19 years old, game changer. He's on my top of my list. I know he's been played a lot this season. That's probably the argument. But still, if you look at where Barcelona was, getting into Champions League football, I think that's why Pedri is my uh, third midfielder. I'll give it to you. It's not a, it's a terrible choice. I think there's better options. I think I have the better option. Okay. Um, I'll let you know. What, we'll, we'll, let me. Okay. Let me read the stat line. We got 51 okay. games across all competitions, 34 goals and 20 assists. It's a player who plays a little bit deeper, either on the left or he's playing in the cam spot while he's in my midfield. He's 24 years old. He won an award. Most people don't know who this guy is. I don't think, and I think that's the main problem with him. He won the uh, gold golden boot for French players overseas. Plays for RB Leipzig. It's Christopher and Kunku. Ooh, wow. Okay. Very underrated player. His right. pace, his, he's just so quick and his ability to find the ball wherever he is on the field. He's creating chances left and right in an RB Leipzig team that obviously they had their one good season a few years ago and they've kind of, been chugging along, but and Cuckoo coming from uh, PSG, always a bright spot for this team. Fantastic player. Very, very unknown across all of world football, but it needs to be shed a light on. Um, and the fact that he's just killing it in the Bundesliga is why he's on my team. Well, 
I'm going to go with Pedri. I will stick with Pedri. I will not change my list. I love that name. I think he's definitely deserved to be on the list, so I appreciate that. But again, they helped. They did win a title, a domestic a domestic cup, so that's yeah. a good mention as well. But he's been great. I actually like that player. That's a great. That's a good find uh, from the Ben team. Team Ben really got a. They should be happy. Everybody should be high fiving each other. That was a hell of a pick. All right, front three. I think we're gonna have the same one. I think we will too. Apart so from think, one player, I think. All right, I'm gonna just give you my three, and then let's yeah, see. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to go with Kylian Mbappe, Robert Lewandowski, and then Kareem Benzema. Air high five, man. Same one. <laughs> I had Holland for... Kareem Benzema, for my winger, because I yep. think he could basically just move everywhere. And then, obviously, Lewandowski and, and Kylian Mbappe. Kylian Mbappe, 39 goals, 26 assists, six goals in the Champions League. Robert Lewandowski, 50 goals, seven assists this season. And then Kareem Benzema, 44 goals, 15 assists in all competitions. So... I mean, excuse me, 15 well, – mind you, what did I say? Uh, yeah, 15 assists in all competition. So, I mean, he's just all over the place. That I think it's pretty obvious. Yeah, there was no doubts. I mean, right. they, literally, they were in the same position as well. So, easy easy pickings for that easy, one. Easy. So, let's get to our young player of the season. Ben, you could go first. I'm curious to hear who you have as your young player this season. I'm really excited for this one because it's a player that is really – gone off the radar completely he did win young player of the season in his own league uh no it is not phil foden it is william saliba center back wow a player coming from arsenal a lot of question marks around him he keeps going i think he went to nice the season before then he goes to marseille in and out of the squad at the very beginning of the season he ended up playing i think uh, i have the stats right here played 34 games um but most importantly i mean they only conceded 36 goals when he was on the field he he's a young leader 21 years old for this marseille side really making a name for himself he's also jumped into the french national team pool a thing that we did not see think was going to happen at all from him really made a jump in his career and there's a lot of questions now will he come back to arsenal he has the ability now and he's shown that with marseille at such a young age that he can do that. He has matured from his past. So, William Saliba, player of the season. Hell of a, hell of a <laughs> research from Ben. That's a hell of a research. I think this is pretty obvious. I'm going with Gabby. 17 years old, two goals and six assists in La Liga. Sensational, 17 years old. Didn't expect him to have as much first team as I thought he was. He was a Masia player, and I think – his uh, maturity, I mean, he's just a player that has a lot of grit, uh, a player that loves to fight. And I think for what his talent was, he's the youngest player to play with Spain. I think that also to be mentioned at 17. Uh, I think he will be potentially at the World Cup in Qatar. Yeah, he and he's looked like one of those players from the Masia that will be a Barcelona player. And, and that's why... One of the reasons why Barcelona wanted to maybe potentially sell Frankie de Jong is because of the emergence of Gabi, because Gabi's really played at a level. I think we'll see him improve. He's only 17 years old. He doesn't even tie his laces, yet he's still um, one of the top young players in the world. I actually had Gabi just because of his age, 19 years old. I'm mean, excuse me, 17 years, years old, and he's just fantastic. I mean, I didn't think he was going to play this much um, with the first team. Honorable mention, Bukayo Saka, easily. Also honorable mention, Jewel Bellingham. 
Yes, yes. I saw his season. I actually had him on the list, and he was statistically better than Gabby. But yeah, just look at Dortmund's team, just as a team in general. I think I hopefully he can make that one of those moves to one of those big clubs in the in the Premier League or whatever he goes. But like, I think he's a player that I think a lot more people will find out if he makes that move. I'd like to see him go from Dortmund to Bayern. I think I don't think he's right. Yet to, I don't think he's right yet to leave the Bundesliga. And I think you look at the recent Bundesliga, obviously Holland's questions around it, but most of the players from Bundesliga to the Premier League don't work out. So if you're him, there's a lot of questions around that. And if Bayern come knocking in a league you're comfortable with, uh, I'd go for that. All right. Well, let's get to manager of the season. Ben, go ahead. Okay. All right. So mine, I've, okay. He only managed half the season, but I still think he should be in the running for this. Marvin's shaking his head a little bit, but he brought a team from 20th to 11th in his league. He managed a 13, five and nine record. He only had nine losses in his time. Very good. 1.65 points per game in a team that had zero wins when he took over. Eddie Howe is mm. my Premier League manager, wow. not Premier League, manager of the season. I just think what he did at Newcastle was so incredible. Yes, the money was there for him to spend in the winter. Apart from Bruno Gashmirez, though, who really realistically made a very big impact with the money that they spent? Like Chris Wood didn't really do too, too much. I can't think Kieran Trippier did much either, um, as well as the center back from Brighton, whose name's escaping me. Oh, Dan Byrne, Dan Byrne. But he had a squad of players that were just down and out of it. And they were hearing this money coming in. They knew they were all most likely going to be replaced. And he ended up carrying them to a very good mid-table finish. So, Eddie Howe, manager of the season. Like that? Like that name? So I was very shocked by the, the selection. But I'm going to go with arguably the best manager this season. I'm going to go with Carlos Ancelotti. Let's remind everybody where he came from. He came from a mid-table team in Everton to join Real Madrid yet again. And look what happened to Everton. Barely surviving from uh, a relegation battle that I think really pretty much he had the same type of players, but not the same manager. That's why Carlos Ancelotti. And then on the other side, Real Madrid won the league title, led them to the Champions League final, has now won five domestic uh, titles in five different leagues. That's also mentioned. And just the way they put, had Carlos Ancelotti controls the roster. Zidane Zidane, yes, we mind you, his first thing with Real Madrid was su- really successful, winning three Champions League finals. But Carlos Ancelotti brought back Real Madrid to the Champions League final yet again. And I think the credit goes to the same amount of players, pretty much the same team. Maybe Edwin, uh, Edward Calvaringo's addition to that. They lost Sergio Ramos. They pretty much don't play Marcelo anymore. A very different team, yet he's brought them, have a composure, understanding the way to talk to players. Uh, Cruz, Casemiro, Moldridge, all just have a great relationship with him. And just if you talk to anybody there, he just understands how to manage players. And I think that's why he deserves it, despite who what happens in result. Uh, in Saturday's game, I think he's still one of the top managers in the world. He deserves credit because Real Madrid would not be here without uh, Carlos Ancelotti. The way he manages players is why he deserves the manager of the season, according to me. I think if you take out 
if you were to take out the well, I think what knocks him for me is La Liga because he was so. I wouldn't say a one horse race, but it was it was there him it was there for him to take. But if you're looking at the Premier League and stuff, uh, not excuse me, the Champions League and where he brought them with the squad he has now, um, he he deserves it from that standpoint. I think just the in terms of La Liga being a steamroll this year for him, it didn't really sit right for me to pick him, which is why I think a manager like Eddie Howe, someone who really joined when the club was most likely going down, and we can all agree there was no hope there. Yeah. Uh, and no expectations for them to even finish above 16th. And they finished 11th is, is very well. So, Well, let's move on to, I think this one's pretty easy. Uh, player of the season, Ben, go ahead. I'm not really going to read off stats because we already did for him. It's Kareem Benzema. Um, just someone who years ago, you wouldn't even, you, he just lived in the shadows. Yeah, uh, of a uh, Ronaldo, and then slowly and slowly Ronaldo left, and it was question marks of his Hazard going to step up, is Bale going to step up, but Benzema really stepped up, and especially this year, kind of taking the lead uh, on this team, one of the top goal scorers in the world, as well as getting back in the French national team after all the controversy surrounding him. Uh, I've said it before, he'll win the Ballon d'Or this year, and I have no doubt about that. So he has to be a player of the season. Green. 15 goals in the Champions League, the most knockout stage goals since Cristiano Ronaldo. Just when you need him the most, and I have always said this, when there, I once upon a time said this, Ben, in my old radio show, Once Upon a Time, many, 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 many years ago. <laughs> when you have a player like Messi and Ronaldo on the field, anything is happening, anything's possible. Well, now we're in 2021, or excuse me, 2022, and I can say the same thing with Kareem Benzema. Because yeah. the way he took over, first at PSG, then that performance in Sanford Bridge against Chelsea, and then what he did to seal Real Madrid's comeback against Manchester City, that's what you always want from the best players in the world. And that's why he'll win the Ballon d'Or. Not only, you know, once upon a time, Messi, uh, you know, won the Ballon d'Or in 2019. It was moments, and I think that's where sometimes these awards are, are, are won by, moments. In the key moments when your team needs you, can you deliver? And for Kareem Benzema, the answer was yes. That's why they're in the final. Regardless of what happens in the final, I think we all know that he was just a big factor in why Real Madrid made their tremendous run this season. Uh, before we end this block, I just want to give, I think one thing we definitely need to mention as well, uh, moment of the weekend. Yes. Yes. City won the uh, city. Then the Leeds goal. There was a referee that after I think 20 years had finally blown his final whistle, Chelsea Watford, Mike Dean has officially retired. Uh, <laughs> wow, wow. Given out the most red cards in Premier league history, but he's been a fan favorite. Uh, he's just sure. a great guy to watch refereeing. So I think, I think we kind of had to, I want a little bit of the tidbit there from Mike Dean. What a guy he's been. Uh, I like even thinking back when I was growing up, like when I was like seven or eight watching the Premier League, he was the face of the referees. So Mike Dean, happy, happy retirement, bud. Well, appreciate it, Mike Dean. You have your, your lovers and then you have your haters. So I hope you have a fantastic <laughs> retirement and enjoy the rest of football. Uh, when we come back, we'll get into football who right after this. Football who? I have three questions. Ben has a uh, star in 11 that we're going to go back and forth in. Uh, you're probably not going to get the last one. I already can tell that. Uh, actually, the last two you're not going to get. 
but we'll see. And again, Ben has uh, his best score was two out of three, and let's see if he can do it again. So, what do you got for me, Ben? May first, two thousand eleven. A team coached by Carlo Ancelotti. It's AC Milan. I'm going back to this because AC Milan are winning. They won. It's been eleven years since they've won the uh, Serie A title, and I'm almost positive this game against Bologna uh, would have clinched it for them in terms of their points, so I've gone with this. They lined up in a 4-3-1-2. Um, some of the names are familiar to me. There's one or two I don't really know who they are, but 4-3-1-2. That's what this is telling me. Um, so, yeah. I just, yeah. What AC Milan. What year? 2011, end of the season. I, I just think it's interesting. It's the it's the final game. Ooh. It would have been this is when they would have clinched it because they clinched it this week. So that was interesting. Yeah. No. All right. Ooh. All right. Got my. All right. We'll find out. Okay. Um. All right. I'll start with the goalie. Yeah. yeah start with the goalie. Start with the goalie. 2011. I'm gonna go with Christian Abiati. Correct. Okay. Wait, did I go to the top four? Or really? Yeah, we'll go back four. We'll go back four. Uh, 2011, Lucas Zambrota. I'm going to go with Thiago Silva. I'm going to go with Alessandro Nestra. And then I'm going to go Jankulowski. One off from perfect. Left back? Right back. Zambrota was there. Decilio? Abate. Wow. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's a good one. So, yeah. It's very good. Four out of five. It's the start of it all. I'm going to have to come in hot right now. But... All right. All right. Uh, all right. So, I have some Champions League questions for you. I have one that's going to really blow your mind later on. Let's first start with the Champions League. So, Real Madrid won their one of their last three of their three straight Champions League in 2015, 2016. So my question for you, Ben, is who scored the game-winning penalty for Real Madrid? And mind you, this was against, what was that, 2000, no, no, this is 16-17. So who scored their game-winning penalty? I have four options. Ready? Okay. Ronaldo. Yep. Sergio Ramos. Yep. Garrett Bale. Or Marcelo. I was going to... <sighs> Go ahead. Sorry. Did you hear that? Yeah, I was. I just paused for a sec so it would, you could cut it and it wouldn't. You would like leave most of them. So you're good. You're good. Okay. 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 Never seen that. I'm okay. gonna go ahead. I'm gonna say. So before I was gonna say, Mark, there's two names that I was like, if you say them, I'll know. Mm. I'm almost positive it was Sergio Ramos, but in my back of my head, I was like, could it have been Marcelo? I want to go with my. Trying to watch that 2015 16. I, I know where I would have been. <laughs> it would I think it was Ramos. I think it was Ramos. Right, it's incorrect. It's Cristiano Ronaldo. That's his last penalty that clinched Real Madrid's third straight. All right. Well, you know what? I I guessed, and the two people I thought were it were wrong. Well, actually, against Atletico Madrid, it was. Ramos. That's what I'm thinking. That's something. Okay. All right. Yeah, it's not All bad. Right. Let's take it. Okay. We're going three. We got, right? We'll go uh, holding midfielder and then the three in front of him. 
that uh, they would have been central players in front of him. 2011. Okay, I'm gonna go with Ambrosini as one, then two other. I'm gonna go Clarence Cerdro and. It's not him. Uh, let's see, 2011. And more noise. Uh, mind you, my phone, but hmm. So let me go with. Let me go with. Ambrosini. Uh, let's go Clarence Adolph, and then let's go with. Got two more. I have two more. Two more, two more. And I'm gonna go with Gattuso. Okay. That one's a little rushed, but I'm gonna go with Gattuso. That's three, right? And one more? Yep. And is that my cam? No, they're playing flat, it says. Oh, so it's four flat. Four midfield. It's uh there's one holding and then there's three flat, but they're uh they're all central midfielders. So they're not there's no wingers. There's no wingers. Oh, okay, okay. There's a Okay, okay. So I have Seardorf, I have Ambrosini. I said, what did I say? I said Tatuso. Oh, man. 2011. I think I, I'm going to go. I'm, I'm going to go with Pirlo. Let's go with Pirlo. Okay, you got two out of four. All right. Ambrosini, Seardorf. Kevin Prince Boateng. <laughs> I wasn't gonna get that one. And I... Matteo Flamini. That's a good one. Okay, okay. I didn't even know he played for AC Milan until I just saw this. Yeah. So yeah, two out of four. Okay, so you're on a. Oh my God, math. You're at six out of nine, which is very impressive. So I got to get these both two right, and then hope you get the. Front. Yeah, we got to play off. Uh, all right. Well, before Liverpool won the Champions League in 2018. They won in 2005, led by Rafa Benitez. And they beat AC Milan and won great comebacks of all time. You know, 3-3 and 14 penalty kicks. So who scored the game-winning penalty for Liverpool in 2005? Love your I didn't know about this till later. So I didn't know about this. I had to research this. So I hope you get this right. Here's your options. Okay. Luis Garcia. Okay. Steven Gerrard. Uh, you're gonna go with Jamie Character. Remember Jamie Character. I uh, stupid pundit now. <laughs> <laughs> or we're gonna go with Diet Mar Haman, who is a player I think the Liverpool fans know very well. That's your four options. Mm. I want to say. Gerard scored in that game, I think. I just don't think he scored the penalty. I really want to say Luis Garcia, but I don't think. Oh, I'm going to go Jared. I'm going to go Jared. I'm going to go Jared. Incorrect. It was Diamar oh, Man. Who, mind you, is a, a player that played. Look, look at this. From 92 to 2011. And for Liverpool, he made 191 appearances, eight goals. And he was a defensive midfielder with Steven Gerrard. And he scored the game under penalty in 2005. 
so close. I was not close. I he he made the last one. I kind of gave a hint. I if you didn't hear, I said he's a player that Liverpool remembered. That no, I heard hint. that, and I was oh, I heard okay. it. I was like, oh, you're trying to stump me. I think. <laughs> I didn't know about that afterwards, but okay. So I've lost, but you got the you got the two strikers for AC Milan. Oh, that's easy. Slotin Rahimovic and Alexander Potter. No way. Hold up. I think that was the final. I think it was the final. No, 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 no. All right, go. All right, we're good. Okay, cool. Uh, none of them were. <laughs> what? I'll give oh you. Oh my I'll goodness! Give, no I'll way! Give you, I'll give you another guess. I'll give you another guess. Insagi and Robinho. Robinho was there, but it was Cassano. Oh my goodness! Wow. Inzaghi was not on the bench. Pato not on the bench. Ibra not on the bench. Okay. Oh, all right. Yep. Sort of. Maybe yeah, I don't think I count that. But okay. All right. Here's here's the one that I think you will not get. This one's probably I had a really this digging research had a double check on all this. All my sources, all of it. All right. Here we go. Oh God. So this season, Lil Messi had one of the lowest goal tallying uh, seasons of his career. Yeah. In League One, he only scored six goals this season. This is not the first time he scored six goals in his career. He's actually done it one other season. I'm going to give you three options. 2006-2007 campaign, 2005-2006 campaign, or 2004-2005 his debut season with Barcelona. I didn't know about this till like way later. So this is a heck. If you get this right, I think this counts as two. So we have three options. My thought here. So if, if you're giving me this two points, so we'll tie it realistically. If we if I get it right, yeah, I'll, yeah, I'll give it to you. If you can get this, I don't think he would have scored six goals in his first season. I think he would have done better than that. Okay. He got injured once in his career, if I'm not mistaken, and was out a decent amount of time. And if I'm right, no, I don't. I, you know, like that doesn't ask any answer any questions. I just think I think he got injured you at want one a point. Hint? Sure, I'll take a hint. All right, so it's not his debut season. Yeah, under two. So I'll give you that. I think it's the 2006 one, six seven. But I can't validate it. I'm trying to think why. Why wouldn't it make sense for it to be that season? Because Ibu. I will give you another hint. Okay. 2005-2006, Barcelona won the championship. I'll give you that. I'll say that. Trying to think. No, he would have. This is all competitions, right? No, this is La Liga. Oh, so I said League One. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Then, okay. I'm gonna go that. Uh, no, I'm gonna go 2006, 2007, 2006, 2007. I don't know why, but it's just in my head. That even... Are you sure? Yeah. Positive. Yes. Final answer. Yeah. Okay. The answer is incorrect. It's 2005, no. 2006. The reason I thought you were why first... I said they won the Champions League in 2005, 06, he was injured. He was not part of the squad 
meaning he scored, he didn't score that many goals, and I hope you maybe got that hint. He only scored six goals in La Liga that season. Man is human. The man is human. <laughs> I didn't know that until he actually did it this season. So only six goals. He's only done that twice now in his career. Six goals in a single season. So that is... That's crazy. All right. I mean, I stuck with my gut every single time, so I can't be mad about that. My go. gut was wrong. My gut was just completely wrong, but that's fine. And then, yeah, who knew Who knew Alexander Ponta was going to be a title winning team? So. <laughs> well, uh, we'll leave it there, and that is a heck of a pod because we have so much more we'll get into. Uh, next week, we'll talk about the Champions League final, uh, and then we'll have some interesting topics as we did with our season of the, of the year. Uh, and much more to talk about here on the final whistle podcast any last words ben before we leave uh champions of only england and only england this season but next year we'll be back we'll be back for the carabao cup not the champions league the carabao cup (laughs) so we'll leave it there when we hope everybody has a fantastic week we'll hope to get this uploaded as soon as we can here on the final whistle podcast see everybody